Hello and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast number 228. My name is John. With me this morning is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Good morning. Hi. You're uh, you're all set up in your new house there, as you were the last time we talked, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. things are going well, I trust. Yeah, yeah. I haven't uh, destroyed it yet, so still in good shape. Uh, okay. Yeah. Nice. I've been working on my room. Um, I don't know if you can see. Let me angle it down. Yeah, you can see there. Mm. Um, I, I, I bought a five pack of frames and uh, framed up a bunch of my celebration posters. So I have to put them back up, but they're nice. there. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Yep. So. All right. Well, it's been a couple of weeks, Ryan. And um, somehow I had myself thinking that this past Saturday was D23 and that this weekend there was going to be a bunch of information about new Star Wars projects and stuff coming out of D23. That's next weekend. Next weekend. weekend. Yep. 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 Um, So it's been a little quiet um, on the Star Wars front, but uh, we have a few things to talk about. Um, We will uh, discuss the Rogue One IMAX screening and the um, Andor scene that was shown there uh, because I was able to attend that um, last weekend. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And um, I finished Shadow of the Sith which was super good. So I have just a few, few words to share about that as well. Um, and, uh, Ryan Johnson made some comments about star Wars, um, recently while promoting knives out. So that was cool. So we'll talk about that a little bit. And, um, I don't know, maybe some other stuff. I've been watching star Wars rebels as well. So, you know, just a couple things here and there we can, we can talk about. I probably won't be a super long show today, but, uh, just wanted to, get back on the mic and talk a little bit of star Wars here for, uh, this episode. And I think we'll probably be back next weekend to talk about D 23. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something I just, uh, recently learned about D 23, um, next week is there is on September 9th, there's going to be a, uh, Disney and Marvel games showcase. Uh, huh. so I don't know if they, they mentioned there's going to be like, Star Wars Skywalker Saga, Lego Skywalker Saga um, news, which is probably like paid DLC stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm wondering if we'll see any other Star Wars games at that time. I mean, I bet we'll get a good Star Wars Hunters blowout. You know what I mean? Ooh, finally. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, that's delayed until next year, right? But um yeah, you know, they could still show some information about that. I'm sure they could, so. they could tease tease something. I'm not expecting to see anything uh, super like concrete or gameplay or anything. But I would I would love to see Amy Hennig's Star Wars game. Yeah, well that yeah that'd be wild. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. All right, so you have your hopes unrealistically high for the games panel, and I uh-huh. have my hopes unrealistically high for the movies panel, or <laughs> yeah. whatever it is. Um, that's yeah. on Saturday morning. You said Friday is the uh, the games one? Uh, whatever September 9th is. Yeah. That's Friday. Yeah. Friday. Yeah. Okay. So. Yep. So that stuff is going on. Of course, uh, Wednesday is Disney Plus Day, right? Isn't that September 7th is Disney Plus Day? Um. So the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, documentary is going to be releasing that day. So that should be cool. Mm. Yeah. So there are things definitely happening um, this week for sure um, as 
as we get closer to um, to Andor. Uh, and there's there was a new um, TV spot for Andor too. I don't know if you caught that online or on TV this weekend. I actually saw it on TV um, Friday night. Oh, I was huh. watching. Yeah, I was watching wrestling on Friday night, and uh, the the and the new Andor TV spot was on TV. So um, <laughs> that was pretty cool. Kind of focused um, on uh, Luthen quite a bit, actually. The uh, TV spot did so. That was cool, and uh, so did the the scene that was uh, shown before the IMAX screening of Rogue One last weekend. And uh, I, like I said, you know, earlier I was able to go to that, so that was really cool. Um, you know, first off, like on the Rogue One front, that is a movie that I have not watched all that often in the last few years. Um, by not all that often, I mean I've probably watched it like maybe. I don't know, less than once a year over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. I think. So, you know, I'm sure like, like every Star Wars movie, I probably watched it 10 or 15 times, like in the first year that it was out, but then I haven't watched it a whole lot since. So it was really, really cool to see it again in IMAX. And I guess I was, I was just, um, just saw a story pop up earlier that for Disney plus day and the week or two weeks after after Disney plus day, Disney is releasing movies in AMC theaters for $5. And uh, I guess IMAX Rogue One is going to be one of those $5 movies. So hmm. I think I paid about 17 or something like that to see okay. uh, Rogue One in IMAX. But I guess it's going to be uh, $5 or so and um, and still playing. So hmm. that's good news, you know, yeah. especially if anybody's listening and, you know, kind of wanted to go see Rogue One again and and hasn't done that yet. It will be playing in, in at least select AMC theaters um, as part of this Disney Plus day, I don't know, movie budget ticket movie re-release mm-hmm. thing. So um, how how was Rogue One in IMAX? Had you seen it in IMAX before? Yeah, I was trying to remember that. I think I had, but I don't remember for sure. Um, around here in Rockford, especially at that time, it was always a little bit of a, uh, a back and forth as far as what we were going to do um, in terms of going to see movies in the theater. Like when Force Awakens came out, we only have one theater here in Rockford and it's an AMC theater. I mean, we have two AMC theaters, but that, that's that's what we have. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and the bigger one has an IMAX screen. And so the conversation was always, you know, well, we have to go see it in IMAX. That's the biggest screen. It has the best sound in that theater, et cetera. But at that time, everything was in 3D, it felt like. So I would resist seeing the movies in IMAX because I prefer to watch it in 2D instead of 3D. I don't even remember. Like, was Rogue One in 3D? I feel like everything was at that time. I mean... Like, Force Awakens and Last Jedi were definitely in 3D. They had 3D versions, yeah. So I would assume that Rogue One did. But I don't think... Rogue One, I don't think... Did it get a home video 3D release? I bet it did. I don't know. Be- because I have the I have the 3D version of Force Awakens and the 3D version of Last Jedi, and I've watched them with um, PlayStation PSVR. VR. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't I don't think I have a Rogue One. Uh, well, I guess this is a a long way of responding that I don't remember yeah. if I saw it in IMAX or not. Yeah, sure. You know, also sure just what a did. weird time. 3d movies like yeah. was such a huge thing. And it was like, that was the thing. And then it just stopped. 
Like, <laughs> is the new Avatar going to be in 3D? I don't even know. Yeah. Is the is the re-release of Avatar going to be in 3D? Good question. I don't think so. Yeah, because like is they're it, it's in like HDR and all that. Yeah, stuff it's like so. 4K HDR is what they're hyping, mm. and that was like the 3D movie. Yeah, yeah. 3D I, is uh, it certainly has um the shine is off of the the 3D. What do you say? The shine is off the mario star i don't know but anyway it's it's not very shiny anymore i remember my my worst 3d movie experience is i wanted to see toy story 3 in the theater and for some reason the only it was like at a specific time i was going to go and like yeah i just want to go see this movie and the only way i could see it was the 3d version and i remember just going and it was like the most pointlessly 3d like it, it, it was like nothing and it's still like it gave me like a headache for like two days yeah and i don't know yeah just so so weird what a weird time yeah and you know on the topic of imax and seeing rogue one in imax our imax is um we sometimes or i sometimes affectionately refer to it as a limax screen because mm. it's it's bigger than the other screens in my theater but it's not that big like it's not i think you know there's there's a lot of other movie theaters you know in america where you might go in and and see a movie on a screen close to that big just on a normal in a normal room you know in a movie theater complex so it it wasn't it's not like when i went to see attack of the clones in imax and i could Mm -hmm. barely like see the and in fact i couldn't see the entire field of vision or the entire screen because the it was so large you know it's not like that it's just a big movie it's just a big movie theater screen and it's not even like a huge movie theater screen so i mean it's good it looks really good you know uh the sound is better i guess than the other the, the sound in the other theaters in my town although i think it's primarily just like way louder Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes almost that's too loud. Takes. actually yeah. definitely too loud like my my son elliot who's nine eight was with us and you know he was like covering his ears half the movie because it was like painfully loud and mm. my wife sometimes will take like napkins and ball them up in her ear and doesn't even want to go to that theater because it's so loud so whoever's <laughs> wow. running that theater i think has decided loud equals good as far as sound goes and i'm not sure you know i don't think it's thx approved i'll put it that way i don't think george Ooh. would thx approve this theater so Wow. We'll see, but okay. we won't see because they're not going to ask him. But yeah, go ahead. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's the interview question you want to you want to ask George Lucas if you get him to talk about Star Wars right now. Um, I get him to talk about Rockford, Illinois. That's uh, the thing. True. Like, what do you yeah, think about the AMC 16 in Rockford, Illinois? Yeah. He's been here. Mm-hmm. No, um, not to that theater, but anyway. So I just realized uh, Rogue One uh, did get a 3D Blu-ray. And uh, I own it, and <laughs> I've I've never actually watched it. It was the the Target set. If oh, you remember, yeah. there was a Target exclusive Blu-ray set, like because this was at the time. Um, also, I forgot about this, where like 3D in the United States like just dropped off a cliff. Like it just it just went away, and um, but they were still really releasing um, 3D Blu-rays in. Um, Asia and Europe. And so my uh, my Last Jedi 3D 
is actually a Japanese copy. And, um, and there's a like just regular plain old blue case, um, European rogue one, um, in 3d. Um, but there's, but for, I think the only version that came out in the United States was this, um, that like target package, um, which is a big chunk and it has like these like cards and stuff in it. Um, and that's, that's the one I have. So, okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah I remember those, uh, the, the, the target special editions and really wanting all of them. And I have like, I have most of them, but I think there was like at least one or two. I think I have, I have last Jedi solo mm-hmm. rise of Skywalker. I don't think I have force awakens or rogue one. And, and I remember thinking like, I need a full set of these, you know, but mm-hmm. also in the back of my mind, knowing, well, pretty soon they're going to be a new version. There's four K. You know, like once a four K ones yeah. come out, it's like, well, they're they're cool to have, like as like a reminder of the past or whatever. But like at that point, ultimately, it doesn't really matter anymore. You know? Yeah. So, um, so I'm all right. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, but uh, yeah, as far as the experience watching the movie goes, like it, I loved uh, watching it again. It was fantastic, and I have now talked about it a lot on the podcast. Um, Rogue One is probably always been my least favorite of the Disney era movies. And mm. Mm. it's not like not by a large degree and not because I don't like the movie. It's just because I like all of the Disney era movies a lot. And then, you know, I tend to kind of gravitate more towards the saga style, you know, more adventure you know, whatever, like the classic Star Wars template of the saga style movies. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I loved Rogue One when we saw it, but, and I think also it's a little bit like, um, I've always had a little bit of a, uh, defense mechanism as far as Rogue One goes to, cause like so often the people who don't really like any other Star Wars stuff from the Disney era will be like, but Rogue One, that's the good Star Wars, you know? Like, I'll hear that a lot mm-hmm. about Rogue One and and sometimes about the Mandalorian. B- before Mandalorian, yeah, that was, yeah the, exactly. that was the go-to. Because <laughs> it's like the grown-up Star Wars, you know what I mean? That's why Rogue One is cool, because like the grown, it's like the Star Wars for for us, you know, or whatever, like that kind of attitude. Um, and it's nothing to do with the movie itself. It's just like, I think, me responding a little bit to how sometimes people talk about it. Um but yeah, I always liked it. You know, I always liked it a lot. But just seeing it again after having not watched it for at least a year, probably, I was like, man, this movie is really, really, really good. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, I think I, I think I'm pretty sure, like, taking a break from it and then seeing it again now, it's like I like it more than than I ever did before. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so yeah, it was great. And if, if they really do put it out for five bucks, I might go again. Um, I think I probably will, you know, if I can find the time. So, so all of that stuff was great. Yeah. Um, um real, real quick. I just want to, mm-hmm. I have to chime in with my, uh, rogue one opinion that, um, I've also probably stated a thousand times on this, um, show is I think like where I've finally landed on rogue one is I love the core movie. Like I love the core story there and I love all the new characters. I think every performance is amazing. And I think like it's not always the case with Star Wars stuff, but I think the actual plot is really, really good. And, you know, everything that like 
drives the story forward um, in like a macro level. And then every character they're like, it's such a packed cast of new characters and they all have like complete arcs in this movie, which is just incredible for like a two hour hour film to like introduce all these characters who are like instantly iconic. And you just get these like tiny snippets, like, like no one really stands there and, it's like, well, when I was a boy and like goes through their entire like backstory, like there's just these like little lines here and there. And they they tell these stories and they have like just it's just such a like a rich tapestry. Um, and I think like it generally um, generally looks really good um, throughout. Um, and my biggest hangups with it um, is not so much like the, um, you know, quote unquote fan reception or whatever, or like comparing it to other things. Like I just will always kind of have issues with the two, um, you know, the CG characters uh, of like OT characters with Tarkin and Leia. I think Tarkin looks worse every time I see it. And I think um, the Leia thing, I like storytelling wise, but also I, I don't think I like it overall. Um, I think it, it's like, it creates this like very cool moment, but I think in like retrospect, I think they could have written around that um, easily. And I think, you know, that whole kind of, um, you know, epilogue scene um because we've talked ad nauseum about like the vader like um you know michael myers vader thing that happens there um which is like whatever um i think if we would have just you know if it would have like yeah i guess you have to have tarkin in there kind of for the story um so i think that would have been like the one if it was just that I think it would have been that would have been like one of my favorite Star Wars movies of all time. If they would have like just ran through the story, it ends when, you know, it ends when, um, you know, the protagonists end and, you know, the Death Star fires. And that's like, you know, that if it just ended on that scene and we didn't have the epilogue, um, which just which just that whole part just feels gratuitous at this point. Cause like, we know exactly what happens like after that um, and how it, you know, how a new hope starts. So that just like, that just kind of bums me out that, um, you know, this like really, really well-made, well thought out film with like all these like new elements, but it's still like, you know, very set in that like classic time, but it still feels very fresh because all the characters are fresh and new and they're just so well written. Um, it just kind of like bums me out that there's just kind of that uh, fan service. I guess like the doctor stuff too is like bad. Um, but. Oh, that's um, really bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's really bad. And I mean, I guess, um, the 3PO and R2 stuff as well. Um, <laughs> so like all, all of that like fan servicey stuff, if you just like r- surgically remove that, I think it would be like one of the best, my favorite star Wars films. 
Um, but I can like I can watch it and just kind of focus on like the core story and the core characters, which is cool. But that's all kind of a long-winded way of saying this makes me so stoked for Andor because ideally, <laughs> like we're not going to see as much of the the fan service that maybe they felt they needed to put into a Star Wars film in the theater, which are, you know, just more of like a, at the time were like the biggest, um, you know, going for like the broadest um, segment of audience. And like, maybe they felt like, oh, we need like these familiar things to, um, you know, get so that, you know, to make this movie a hit and like, oh, we need, we need a win with like, you know, the, the 40 year old dudes. So we're going to put this stuff in there. Um, and yeah. And I don't think I, I really feel like just everything I've seen and heard um, about Andor is like, you know, from Tony Gilroy and Diego Luna, like in particular, like, they are just making this seemingly pretty like uncompromising story that they want to tell. And they don't really seem to care about like, Oh, this is going to remind you of playing with your star Wars figures when you were seven years old, like all that crap. Like they, they just want to tell a good story set in the star Wars universe. And that's the vibe I get from Andor. I don't know. Maybe it will end up being ridiculous and gratuitous, but um, you know, from what we've heard and seen, like, I think, you know, it's going to be that Rogue One concept, like, you know, even just even more hardcore. And uh, that really excites me. Yeah. Um, just quickly on that, on the note of, you know, the the hallway scene and the epilogue and all that, like, uh, I have to say, like, I've probably been harsher on this show about that Darth Vader scene than you have, like not liking that and, and feeling like mm-hmm. it was out of place and stuff. Um, took some time away, didn't watch the movie for a while and then went and saw it in the theater. And I have to say like that Darth Vader scene worked better and fe- it felt less gratuitous to me than it did previously. And I think like, it's almost like sort of what you're talking about, like what people expected and what they thought and, you know, um, what they thought a star Wars movie needed to be in the theater, et cetera. And then, you know, like, mm-hmm. I guess for me on that, you know, kind of tip or whatever is like, I sort of me thinking like what, what this movie should or should not be. I just think like my expectations going into it or like what I expected or, you know, however the best way to phrase that is, it was like this Darth Vader badass scene doesn't fit this story. It doesn't feel right, you know, but we knew Darth Vader was going to be in rogue one. I was like, are they going to use him in a good way? Are they going to use him in a gratuitous way, whatever. And it felt really gratuitous to me uh, at the time, but now, you know, I mean, there's still a little bit of that obviously, but it, it just, I, I thought it felt like it just felt like part of the story and part of the movie to me, um, mm-hmm. much more watching it this time than it had for me in the past where, you know, I think in the months leading up to rogue one, I'd read about 2000 new stories on star Wars, you know, websites about how they reshot things and they added in this Darth Vader stuff. And, you know, it was like so much like the story of rogue one was so much also about like what, how it fell apart and came back together and reshoots and actually Tony Gilroy directed it. And did, you know what I mean? Like all that conversation, mm-hmm. I think really impacted the way I watched the movie. Um, 
when I watched it back then. And, uh, you know, not to say that I don't have any criticisms of the Darth Vader scene anymore or whatever, but it just didn't stand out to me the way it did in 2016, um, watching it this time. So that was good. Now, Dr. Evazan, ridiculous. Like that still just feels like insane that, 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 that part is there. Um, Mm -hmm. it's not actually a big deal to me or anything, but it just seems ridiculous that that's in there. So, um, but yeah, the, the Vader thing felt more, more natural this time around and kind of sad. Um, and it might be, I think it's audiences too, because when I saw Rogue One in the theater, I just, I think one of the reasons I didn't like that scene was that they just, the energy I felt around me in the movie theater, which was like this rules, you know? Um, and this time I didn't feel that kind of energy. I mean, there was only like 15 people in the theater, you know, instead of mm-hmm. a, a packed theater, but I didn't get that energy of like, yes, this is what I've always wanted. I've always wanted to see Darth Vader slicing dudes up. This rules. Like it wasn't that kind of thing. It was more like, cause really like the final third of that movie or however final 20 minutes or whatever it is, is like just death and despair for the heroes, you know? And so it's like one, you know, kind of character that you've grown attached to dying after the other and everybody kind of losing and like all this pain and, and loss. And then in 2016, it felt like all that pain and loss was followed up by like, let's give like evil Darth Vader his hero moment where he slices all these people up. That's what it felt like to me at the time. But then when I watched it this last time, it felt more like, okay, you know, Bodhi and, and, and cheer and base and, you know, uh, Jin and Cassian and all these characters is the K2SO, like everybody dying and, and, you know, all this, like everybody's losing. Um, and then on top of that, like, you know, these rebel soldiers are sacrificing themselves also to get these plans down this hallway, like, like a baton race, you know, one handing off to the next to the next, like as this, you know, kind of evil force is, is cutting through them. So it just, it just felt like it was a, it, to me, I kind of, I actually felt that progression of ideas or the, the, you know, one kind of scene moving to the next in a, in a logical way, watching it this time, I think, cause I wasn't going into it all worried about, I mean, part partially anyways, you know, I wasn't as, I didn't have all the reshoots and everything on my mind like I did in 2016. And, and as much of the, why did the people who made this movie decide to put this in or what's Disney trying to do with this Darth Vader scene? Or, you know, how is this, this scene is in here because of fan expectations. I just wasn't thinking about it that way. So, um, again, it's not like the criticism isn't there anymore. Like that just Mm -hmm. ceases to exist or something, but I think it, it's less of a criticism for me now, which is a nice Nice result. Yeah. I mean, I think that scene, God, we've talked about this scene so much. I'm going to try to make this quick. Um, this has been like a reoccurring. Let's just thing do a commentary. You know, let's just pull the scene up and just do like Maybe. a shot by shot. Maybe. Um, yeah. No, I think the scene works. I think that scene works. I think the Leia scene works. I also just feel like they are wholly unnecessary. Mm. Like they don't, they aren't necessary for the story. And like, I mean, I think, the the Leia thing, the hope line, it works. Like it's it totally works. It's also just kind of you like bashing you over the head with it. Like it's a little like you 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 don't really need that. Like if you're um like we know we know what happens. Um so 
yeah, I think that's just kind of where where I land is like we just didn't need that, and you know, I'm uh, I'm a bit I I I think you know there's this fear um, to you know end a Star Wars movie on um, you know as uh, Kevin Smith would write on a, on a down note um, and. Uh, and like, we, we kind, we kind of got that with like empire and then like, you know, even, even revenge of the Sith, which I think, um, revenge of the Sith and rogue one are like very similar, uh, films in like their third acts. Um, like there's like, even revenge of the Sith still like ends with like that hopeful, hopeful moment, which, um, Again, like y- you don't really need because we know what happens next, and um, you know, um, the the Obi Wan show kind of does this too. Like you, um, you know, like just it, it, it's okay to like end something with like um, you know, especially when the next thing is a known quantity to like end something. Um, without like the mandatory hope. Um, and I think Empire did that at a very, a much more challenging time because we didn't know what the next thing was or, you know, people, I wasn't born yet, but people who were <laughs> theater goers, Star Wars fans didn't know what the next thing was. And that like feels so bold and daring and, um, you know, I, I would like to, I would like to see that, like, you know, give people something to worry about. Well, I'm going to disagree with you on two counts, Ryan. Okay. Mm. The first count is that I feel like empire does end, you know, with a degree of hope. Like they, they still ended with, you know, uh, Luke's hand being repaired and then him with his arm mm. around Leia, I think looking out at that nebula or whatever. And Lando's like, okay, well I'm going to go like, we're going to get Han. And you know, like they, they, it's not like super upbeat and positive. It's not like a CG princess Leia looking at the screen and saying hope, but it's still like, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not leaving you on a total downer, you know, right. Luke gets his hand back. Like we know there's a plan to go get Han. It's a down moment. It's a down beat or whatever, but it's not like super, super you know negative or or down or anything and i think like if they really wanted to be like oh we're gonna end this movie like in a dark place like they they could have done it a lot darker than they did you know um and then that's not even really my primary disagreement with you though my primary disagreement is i feel like really we should maybe adopt the book of boba fett um style ending and start you know ending the movie with like you get the whole cast together and they kind of do like a uh, like a sitcom style joke and maybe like a group high five. And then you have the camera zoom out to like show them like, like playfully punching each other in the arm and like, just really do like super positive vibes always at the end of a star Wars, you know, but, but I wanted that fruit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, you joker. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The caramel frappuccinos on you this time, you know, like <laughs> it's your turn to buy <laughs> that yep. kind of thing. I think that's how this should go. Yeah, I like it. All right. Let's talk about the Andor Anyways. scene. Yes. Let's talk about the Andor scene. That was uh, part of the sneak mm. peek with, um, with Rogue One in, in IMAX. It's been two weeks or a week and a half, or I don't know how long now since I've seen it, uh, I guess a little over a week. So I do not have a detailed account, um, 
that I can share with you anymore because I've kind of forgotten a lot of it, but I can give you broad <laughs> strokes and mm-hmm. probably many other podcasts have already given detailed uh, accounts anyway. So maybe you've already heard it, but um, the I didn't know what to expect with the sneak peek. You know, part of me thought like they're just going to show, you know, I don't know, something we've already seen or I just didn't know what it was going to be. So um, it actually featured Tony Gilroy and um, Diego Luna talking about the show for a few minutes. Like they did an interview type thing with like clips from the show. And I was like, oh, cool. This is okay. So this is what they're doing. Um, And then they cut to the scene that is up on YouTube that was released as like the first official scene from the show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So we got like this interview footage and then we're going to get the scene we already seen, you know, but that's fine. Um, but then that scene extended out much, much longer in the IMAX version. So I'm sure most, you know, listeners have watched that full scene or that scene on YouTube um, with Cassian and Luthen talking to one another. And, you know, they uh, have arranged some kind of deal where Cassian obtained some kind of item from like the uh, some kind of imperial data tape or something like that. I don't know what it was. Do you do you remember what it was? Something like that, right? Oh, like a box. Yeah, something. I'm, just, yeah. I'm assuming it has information in it, right? But mm-hmm. something is valuable. And um, you know, when Luthen goes to pay him for it, he's like really more interested in in. Well, we find out he's really more interested in convincing Cassian to join the rebellion or whatever he's in charge of Luthen. Um, and you know, he does that via, you know, kind of starting out with like, did you, you know, how did you get this? And the, the line that's being used all the time in the trailers and TV spots and stuff is Cassian saying like, they're so fat and, you know, um, sure of themselves and whatever that you can sneak right in and, they, ne- they would never suspect somebody like me could walk right into their house and spit in their food and, you know, steal their stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that scene and, and that all is part of it. But then um, where the scene ends on YouTube, and I guess like for anybody who doesn't want to know what happens in this scene, like spoilers from here on out, I'm going to describe, you know, what, what kind of happens afterwards. But um, uh, the conversation Cassian gets pretty uh, defensive and Cassian gets pretty upset because Luthen starts to reveal information about Cassian, you know, it starts, like says his name and, and, and starts to reveal information that he knows about his backstory and things like that. And, you know, Cassian ends up like putting a gun, a blaster, it's star Wars, but putting a blaster to Luthen's head and is like threatening him. And it's like, how do you know this stuff? You know? And, um, essentially Luthen is like, look, I'll, you know, I can pay, I'm going to pay you for this and whatever, and you can keep doing what you're doing, but wouldn't you rather make these bastards pay? Like, wouldn't you rather have a chance to really fight back? And I think he says something like make these bastards pay. Um, but then the, like a squadron of stormtroopers or something, if I'm remembering correctly, like attacks that room that they're in, like they, they come under fire. And, uh, at that point, uh, Luthen and Cassian, like Luthen's like, come on, Cass, like, come with me. Like, let's get out of here. You know, like he's gonna, we got to go. And Cassian 
because he had left the box or whatever it is like back in the other side of the room when he came towards Luthen and was going to, you know, threatening him and all that. So then like Cassian's like wanting to go back and get that box because it's too valuable. You know, it's worth too much. And so Luthen's on one side of the room. Cassian's like running back. They're taking out stormtroopers, each of them like blasting stormtroopers and stuff. And, and Cassian's like basically risking his life to get back to this piece of information. Luthen was like, just leave it. Like, let's go. Like, you know, let's get out of here. And um, yeah, Luthen helps Cassian survive, basically helps take out these stormtroopers. And then like, there's these giant, I forget what they are, but they're, the ceiling is full of like, they're hanging on chains, whatever they are, some giant, like super heavy, you know, concrete blocks or something like that, that are hanging from chains on the ceiling. And I forget why I, I can't remember what happened, but it was like a domino effect where something set off a chain of events where these things are dropping from the ceiling. And so Cassian's like running back towards the other side of the room as these things are falling from the ceiling. And, you know, Luthen, I can't remember exactly how it concluded, but pretty much like, you know, Luthen like gave him his hand and pulled him under this thing, but like right before the last c- concrete block fell that would have landed on him or whatever. So, hmm. and that's how the scene ends. But, you know, from a narrative perspective, it's like, these two characters are talking, you know, Luthen wants to know like how Cassian did what he did. And is it, it becomes clear, like he's really impressed with Cassian thinks Cassian is valuable, wants Cassian to join the rebellion. Cassian is like pissed off. Like, Oh, what do you, you've been spying on me? Like, how do you know all this information about me? At one point, I forget exactly how the line goes, but like Luthen says something about the empire, um, had hanged Cassian's father. There's something about feet swinging or whatever, you know, like mm. being hanged. And like, he's like, that's what they did to your father or something like that. And Cassian's like, you know, blaster to the head and all that. So it's super tense. Um, mm. But then, yeah, I was surprised to see there's like a whole action sequence that follows also. So it was cool. Nice. Nice. Um, so something I noticed um, just watching the, watching the clip, um, online which is the the much shorter version and it's literally just them talking and it's like it's pretty chill um so okay so like uh like many people um in the past month uh i've been watching um sandman on netflix and rings of power on amazon prime um i think those they are both uh excellent shows that I, that I love great adaptations of things that I love. I think like the casting, the writing, the performances are amazing in all of them, in both of them. Um, I also don't like the way either of them look. Um, Mm. They um, both like Sandman. I think there's a lot of issues with this, the way the CG looks, it takes me out of it a lot. Um, And rings of power, I think is just way too, pristine um to me it looks like a like a modern triple a video game um like everything is like so perfect and like the the lighting seems like artificial and it's like way 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 too high definition um kind of even... remember the hobbit movies looking is that how the hobbit movies look sort of like a little tiny uh, a little too yeah but even those like i felt like felt more like lived in Um, whereas like rings of power, just like everything just looks too perfect. And I think it just, it looks extremely, extremely digital. Um, and yeah, so like, 
but I still like that's not a deal breaker for either show. It's just kind of this thing that like I'm accepting about most entertainment these days. Like everything just kind of uh, is starting to look like a video game um, for like genre entertainment. And then I watched this Andor clip um, and I was like, man, this is just like two dudes talking in a building. Like this just looks like I uh, like it. It just looks like the way, you know, TV and movies looked 10 years ago. And, you know, it's still like really clean and, you know, crisp and like looks good, but like it really didn't, it, it doesn't have all these like extra like layers of flourish to like make it look, you know, just so kind of artificial. And so my, my question to you, like, yeah, like the scene I saw was just like them talking in a building. Um, How, when it did get into like the more action stuff and there was like the, you know, like the literal like foundations of the building being shook and like, you know, blaster fire and all that, like how did it look then? Uh, It looked really good. It was, and I mean, I think like part of it is the scope of it because it's like all takes place in one scene in one room. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so there's no reason really in that case to go. I, I guess what I'm saying is like the effects themselves were pretty restrained because it was just these big blocks falling from the ceiling and, you know, blaster bolts and stuff like that. So there was no there was no real opportunity there to for it to get to. um. I don't like, like for instance, the Mandalorian, like the Mandalorian has some action scenes and things like that. Like, like take the opening scene when he's getting, um, the first bounty in the first episode, you know, and he walks Mm -hmm. into that bar or whatever, and everything takes place in that cantina. It's like, okay, well, I mean, that looked pretty good, right? You know, it Mm -hmm. it looked, but then maybe there's other times in, in like in the third episode when all the, uh, Mandalorians are zooming around in jetpacks and stuff. It's like, I'm not saying that looks bad. I don't even really, it's been a long time since I've watched that scene, but my point is just that like, that's more ambitious or there's more going on. So if they were going to fall into that trap, maybe it would happen more in a scene like that. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, long story short though, I thought it looked great. And they showed the trailer for Andor on the IMAX screen also afterwards, which was really cool too. So it was like the interviews and then the full scene and they showed the, the Andor trailer and it all looked really good on the giant screen. So basically, you know, as far as my memory of how it all looks goes, it just felt like more rogue one, you know, and I watched rogue one immediately afterwards and Mm -hmm. it felt pretty seamless. Like it just, yeah. So it looked very, very good blown up on a giant screen. And, um, there was definitely no, I didn't sense, I didn't sense a, it's been six years and these effects look way better or something like that, or the mm-hmm. technology has really progressed. I didn't uh, progressed. I didn't get that kind of feeling. And I also did not get a feeling of like, Oh, well, row one was made for the big screen, but and, or is a TV show. So, you know, it looks pretty TV show. It looks pretty budget. It looks, you know, mm-hmm. it did, I didn't get it that feeling either. It just looked really, really good. Um, but like I was saying a second ago, it was a pretty, it did have a big action sequence in it, but even so it was a more of a small scale action sequence. So I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. but like the shots I've seen in the trailers, like the space, any like space battle or space sequences in the trailers look like super good and just mm-hmm. felt like straight out of rogue one, you know? Um, 
I can't remember now, but there's a there's a scene or a couple shots in the trailer that look really similar to the what are they called? The cloud gate? Is that what it's called? The you know the big shield over the planet where they had that opening that the you, the ships had to go through. You know yeah. what I mean? But basically, all the stuff above Scarif, like the Scarif yeah. space stuff, like there's there were shots in the teaser or the trailer that looked really similar to that and like really good in the same way. So nice. Yeah, everything looks, in my opinion, so far, everything looks really great. You know, so I don't know if do you know if Greg Frazier, the the DP from um, Rogue One, is doing the show? I mean, he worked on Mandalorian, I think. So I, I don't know if he's working on it I or not. Don't but, know. Yeah. Um, that would probably help provide some continuity there. And I know he's worked on other Disney plus star Wars stuff. So, um, you know, I, I would guess he is working on it and, um, you know, if he is, it shows cause so far what I've seen looks super good. That's really exciting. And I think like they kind of, uh, you know, they, by the, you know, creative decisions they've made with like using a lot of, um, you know, real sets um and location filming like e- like obviously they're going to do digital stuff in there like everything that exists uh uses you know some some level of like digital um tech it's like um and but they are going to have to like keep that stuff in line with the you know the real the real sets and the practical effects that they're using. Like you can't have like a huge discrepancy between those two things. So um, yeah, so I'm really expecting like, even though it's not like all, it's not going to be shot the same way, like a new hope was shot, um, you know, but it's, you know, it, it is going to kind of be, um, you know, it, they they have to like i mean unless they like really just completely drop the ball on it like they have to keep you know um that stuff all um similar uh looking and feeling so i think that's um an exciting uh problem that they had to figure out um and it feels uh, like a lot of it's going to be shot like the the scarif um the Imperial installation or base or whatever on Scarif where, you know, they went to that Canary wharf underground station in London and, you know, just shot over a night or two, but like basically took an existing place and then gave it a star Wars coat of paint, you know, through Mm -hmm. a combination of digital and practical, you know, set alterations or I don't know, whatever the phrase is for that. But, um, Mm -hmm. I was just watching a little bit of the rogue one, the bonus features for rogue one in the last couple of days um, and saw some behind the scenes footage in that underground station in London that they turned into an Imperial, you know, station or whatever. And yeah, I feel like they're doing a lot of that kind of stuff with Andor, you know, shooting on location and um, you know, I'm sure they dress the set, you know, physically or practically. And then obviously also through digital means as well. And, yeah. you know, a lot of it, I think is shot in the studio too. So, uh, but not not in a volume studio. So it'll be, yeah, it, it probably being shot, I guess what I'm trying to say, very similarly to the way they shot Rogue One itself, the movie. So That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess that's uh, that's that as far as the, the Rogue One IMAX 
um, situation goes. The Empire has been choking us so slowly. The time has come to force their hand. Andor. I need all the heroes I can get. You can't beat them. We need to pull together. At what cost? Everything! You know they're coming. Go! 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 Star Wars Andor. Free episode premiere. Streaming September 21st. Uh, just real quick on the topic of that TV spot um, that is uh, playing now. It's it's really cool. Uh, there's some new footage in it. Um, lots of stuff about uh, lots of like most of the the dialogue is from Luthen um, talking about how the Empire is like choking and um, killing everybody already. And he needs all the heroes he can get. And, uh, you know, I think it's Saw Gerrera says at what cost? Yeah. Saw Gerrera says to to Luthen at what cost? And Luthen shouts everything, you know. Um, which is like, whoa. So even Sagarera's like, dude, maybe you need to relax a little bit. And, and like, no, we, you know, we have to do, wow. we have to do everything, like sacrifice everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I f- I'm just finding him as a character, super, super intriguing. And, um, even more so after seeing that scene, uh, the extended version of that scene at the IMAX screen. Nice. Um, yeah. So, all right, let's talk, uh, Ryan, before we go, about another Ryan, Ryan Johnson, who mm. is promoting mm-hmm. the new Knives Out movie, Glass Onion, which, uh, of course, I know we're both really excited for. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, he, so he, he did an interview in Empire Magazine and talked a little bit about Star Wars. Uh, there's another quote somewhere about his feelings about social media and, and the way he um, you know, responded to that. But uh, I know, and I know it, you know, we talked about that quote, you know, privately about how he said he's more proud of the movie now than ever. And, you know, he like sort of developed a thicker skin as far as social media goes because of the way people reacted to the last Jedi. So that quote was out there, but then the other one, which was pretty exciting for Star Wars fans like us who are really hoping these, the Ryan Johnson Star Wars movies will happen, um, comes from this empire magazine, uh, interview. So here's what he said. I've stayed close to Kathleen and we get together often and talk about it. It's just at this point, a matter of schedule and when it could happen. Here's, here's the line that really made me excited. He said, it would break my heart if I were finished, if I couldn't get it back into that sandbox at some point. So, um, yeah, Ryan Johnson, like that's maybe the most, just one of the most like kind of concrete statements he's given you know, in the last couple of years, as far as like, yeah, you know, yeah. we're doing it right. That I want to given. Yeah. 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 Cause he's, mm-hmm. you know, he said like, Oh yeah, it's, you know, it's still something I think about, or, you know, hopefully we'll get back to it at some point, but to say it would break my heart if I weren't able to, to get back into that sandbox at some point is, uh, that's a pretty, a pretty clear statement. And I feel like, you know, it makes sense that when people were first asking him about that project, I mean, obviously like they were first asking him about it when the last Jedi was coming out because, you know, that's when it was first announced. But then, you know, after last Jedi, there was some time off, he made knives out and then like people would start to ask him about it, but it hadn't been that long since he made the last Jedi, you know? And I don't think he ever said, no, he never said, you know, I don't want to do it or I'm kind of sick of star Wars or anything like that. But to me, it makes sense that now it's been five years since the last Jedi came out, you know, at least five, five years, yeah. close to five years. Um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is the, the more time in between the last Star Wars movie he made and whenever he's speaking about it, I feel like 
the, you know, that desire to get back and make more star Wars is going to be greater, you know, versus I just got mm-hmm. done making a star Wars movie. Like maybe I'm cool to go do knives out or, you know, knives out too, or, you know, whatever, like it's fine to take a break, but the, the, the more time away, the more I would think he'd be hyped to get, get back into it. So we'll see. Um, I think there's still, he still has to make another knives out movie though too, right? Like, isn't there a third knives out movie he's working on? Yeah, I I knew it was going to be a series. Like, <laughs> I think Netflix like, Netflix gave him five hundred million dollars to make two Knives Out movies. So, uh, wow. yeah, I mean, not not just like <laughs> not like here's your paycheck, Ryan Johnson, five hundred million. But, but I, like, yeah, that, but that was the budget. budget for the two. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I know there's another one. I'm not sure if the idea. I would think Netflix would be like, hey, go ahead and make it soon. You know, um, I doubt that they're. And they're wanting him to wait, you know, years to make it. So I'm not sure what the status is on that. Maybe he'll talk about that soon, but perhaps. Yeah. Um, I just did know. a quick Google search and the the budget for the original Knives Out was $40 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, it's. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I guess I don't know how the, the business deals work and all that, but it's like, that's, you get $500 million uh, well, the but I guess what I'm trying to say is the budget for Knives Out was like, it's, okay, this is how much money we're going to need to make this movie, and I think the this 500 million number is more like Netflix being like, how much, how big do we have to write the check to get you to make these movies for us? You know what I mean? Um, in wrestling terms, it's like, okay, well, we want to sign you instead of some other company. Like, how much? What's the number we have to pay you to get you to come do it with us instead of somewhere else? You know, so, um. And I'm sure that that number also includes like the marketing costs and everything in there too, oh, yeah. probably versus the 40 million for knives out is just like just the actual production costs and stuff. So, but either way himself, uh, Ryan Johnson and sure they're taking home a, a nice bit of change from, um, from Netflix on that deal. For sure. Yeah. It's so it looks like the, the Netflix deal was 450 million for two, two okay. films. Um, okay. but this, this is just mind blowing to me. The original Knives Out had a $40 million budget and made $311 million at the box office. Wow. Yeah. Those are almost Halloween 1978 numbers right there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Not quite, but yeah. That's, yeah. uh, that is, clerk's that is numbers. really impressive. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Did, did, I don't um, think Clerks had a big box office, though. It had a low budget. Yeah. Like percentage. I'm sure it made wise. a lot at Blockbuster Video. It had to make a lot on VHS, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's where yeah. it like kind of kind of came to its own. Because then Mallrats bombed in the theater. Um, oh, big time! Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Thanks for checking out our uh, Kevin Smith uh, View a Skewniverse uh, podcast, <laughs> The Blockade Runner. <laughs> Go go run over to your closet and get your View Askew hockey jersey out and uh, put that on, would you? <laughs> hey, um, I gotta say, I am so stoked for Clerks Three, uh, like yeah. legit. Just throwing that out there. And I gotta I say, am, I'm happy like, for you. I'm I'm happy for you yeah. that you're so excited for it. Hey, I'm um, I'm still a fan. I'm still a fan. I love that dude. I think I I'm pretty sure I like him as a person, maybe a little more than than the movies he makes at this point, but. Um, but I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm a fan too. And, uh, 
you know, I was only able to make that view askew hockey Jersey joke because I used to like spend time browsing the shop on the view askew website, you know, for stuff oh, I yeah. wanted to buy. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a Kevin Smith fan and, um, you know, yeah, hopefully Clerksley will be good, but, uh, I didn't, um, yeah, he kind of lost me with stuff like Jay and silent Bob strike back and those sorts of things. Like I'm not even saying yeah. they're not, you know, they're not good or whatever, but it just wasn't, it was a little, that was kind of out of my taste zone. You know what I mean? Like just not the kind of thing that I'm super into. But that one wasn't great. And then it was like Jersey girl and cop out and like, a, like the, the like almost mainstream. Oh, I think I like Jersey, I like Jersey no, girl though. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm a Benefer guy. Has, I've been a Benefer stan my whole life. Yeah. And I'm a Benefer stan. Well, so, you know, then you are eating well. I'm eating well. Right exactly. You're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the <laughs> Jane Saint Bob reboot? The most yeah, recent one? No, no, no. Uh-uh. It's good. It's oh, legitimately yeah? good. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, okay. Yeah. I, I actually really liked it. I was like, you know, I, I'm always a little bit, always a little bit skeptical. Um, Red while State we're on the topic of, was while good, we're on, okay, was I wanted to ask you about that. But while we're on the topic of, of Jason Muse, um, mm-hmm. California Chris, you know, if you guys have Discovery Plus, check out um, the new UFO, oh, Jack yeah. Osborne UFO special on, um, mm-hmm. on Discovery Plus. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I think it just came out this weekend, but uh, features Jay Muse and, um, California Chris says that was a blast to film and um, they got some really good footage and it should be a great special and that Jason Muse nice. himself was awesome. So yeah, it's all love for Kevin Smith and Jason Muse and the whole view askew universe and especially, you know, Benifer over here on the blockade murder podcast. Yeah. Uh, Red state is good. You say it is good. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's imperfect. Um, uh-huh. As I think like all of um, Kevin smith's films are except chasing amy chasing amy is a perfect film uh it's so good (laughs) Um, i love that one but yeah that's that's my favorite um rats is a perfect film also what are you talking about Rats is a perfect Rats film (laughs) i think i think it is the best Rats it could be i i actually i legitimately love that movie i can yeah i can watch that i yeah yeah it's so easy to watch. It's so fun. Um, in middle school, when I rented it on VHS, I, I watched it. I took it out, rewound it, and put it right back in and watched it like twice in a row. <laughs> Good so call. I loved it. I was dying. Good call. Um, was uh, my, Mike from down the street that I watched it with, but yeah. Oh, nice. Um, my yeah. my friend, uh, Mike, Mike Harris, our friend Mike Harris, is the only person I know who saw that movie in the theater. He somehow uh saw that in the theater it, it had like a week long run in rockford illinois and he Probably got Colonial village yeah got in got an adult to take him to see that um okay. so we twin were, villages we were like mike harris mm-hmm. yeah twin villages mike harris like small rats um i want to know what uh uh, southwest suburbs mike harris thinks about mall rats so we'll see if he's listening i, I, I feel like they're I they're like pretty aligned on most things <laughs> so okay. yeah i think both my right. i think mall rats is definitely a mike harris movie for all my harris for, for all my harris's okay mm-hmm. all right so um 
we're not even on anything resembling the topic we started out here, Ryan, but real quick, <laughs> nope. like you have been pessimistic about the likelihood of Ryan Johnson and, and, and it's a self-defense thing. And I understand, you know, protecting mm-hmm. your feelings and everything, but you've yeah. been, you've been pretty pessimistic. Um, does this comment from Ryan Johnson, like, are you at least a little more optimistic that, that he'll make some more Star Wars movies based on this comment or I, where are you at? Like, that? I don't doubt the sincerity of the, the comment like yeah i i'm and and it makes me happy because like i've been waiting waiting with like bated breath for him to just be like no the last jedi shit was like too much like why would i want to do that like i've got you know net netflix over here um you know paying me 450 million dollars to do this other thing that like i'm passionate about like why would i want a bunch of like neckbeards yelling at me about like women existing in star wars on the internet to like go back to that like that's the that's what i was kind of expecting and i would be like dude fair like that's i know but he's not gonna do that he's not gonna do that he's not gonna do that and and i'm gonna say for for two reasons one Mm -hmm. he says he's cool with it like not that he enjoyed it or anything but he says like he's in a healthy place with it yep and Mm -hmm. i believe him at his word on that but also because mm-hmm. he continues to interact with people online about Star Wars. He'll he'll tweet about Star Wars. He'll respond to people's tweets and stuff. Like, he's not afraid mm-hmm. uh, to talk yeah. about Star Wars, and, and he seems enthusiastic about it. Actually, a good time to mention that the, the Pod-A-Thon coming up in, I think, two weekends, um, the Pod-A-Thon for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, he's doing that. Like, he is, like, yeah. somebody, I obviously yep. reached out to him. We're like, hey, Ryan, will you do an interview? A thing that, like, I would never expect a Star Wars director or like somebody like that high up the food chain of the whole Star Wars production world would actually do. Um, and he's doing it, you know? So like, yeah, the guy's not, it, it didn't, it did not, you know, put him off as Star Wars, obviously. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, he, he says that and, um, yeah, I have no reason not to take him at his word, um, on that. Um, and I think the, there's still like, you know, it's still a bigger, it's a, still a small part of like a bigger machine. And we just, it, it, the ball is kind of in Disney's court at this point. Like, I think for a while it was like, well, Ryan's like, you know, he's booked with, you know, this Netflix deal. He's doing this TV stuff. Like his, his schedule is full. And he, like he mentioned that, like, you know, getting schedules to align, but like, you know, it ain't like there's too many Star Wars movies happening right now uh, that they can't, uh, you know, fit in. Um, so I think it is just kind of, you know, how how bad does uh, does Disney want it? And like, what is their plan? Like, where mm-hmm. is Star Wars film going because a lot has changed in five years since the last Jedi um, in, you know, in live action star Wars, like yeah, more than the, like uh, the any Empire. franchise in the world. Like the, yeah. the last five years have been such a huge change. And, and they, uh, empire does um, 
the, the article, the interview does bring up the comment from Kathleen Kennedy from earlier this year at Star Wars Celebration. She says, now everybody's so busy, genuinely busy and working on things. Ryan had such a giant success with Knives Out that he's very committed to try to get that done. So it'll be a while and we have to work three, five years in advance on what we're doing. So that's where that sits. But we italicized love him, but we love him. So, you know, I mean, every consistently it's like, okay, Ryan Johnson wants to work with Kathleen Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm want to work with Ryan Johnson. So I believe they'll get that done. My, uh, my one kind of like uh, fear or, or, or one, one place in which I'm not as optimistic about it is just like, what if they don't get it done before Kathleen Kennedy decides to, you know, move on from being the president of Lucasfilm. Then I think, you know, there's a possibility that it, it doesn't happen at that point. But I think if they can get it done sooner than later, which I mean by sooner than later, I mean in the next couple of years, if they can get the ball rolling on it, you know, then I think it'll happen. And um, yeah, I, I I feel like, I mean, he's he's like writing and co-producing like shows for Peacock and stuff too. He has his own, you know, him and Ram Bergman have, T, I think it's called T Street Productions or something. They have their own production company. They're doing a lot, but I think... uh what I would love to see is either he makes a Star Wars movie and then makes the third Knives Out or, you know, he gets that third Knives Out done soon and then clears the deck for Star Wars. If he makes the third Knives Out and then he's like, oh, and then these are my next two movies I'm making or I'm making this other movie that's nothing to do with anything that's been announced yet or anything. And I'm, you know, like if Knives Out 3 comes out or is being made and he's like, oh, but then I'm also doing this romantic comedy or whatever, like then I think Brick the writing two. Will a little bit like, yeah, yeah. At that point, I'm going to get nervous, but you know, right now if it's I, I would be like, very okay with a brick too, by the way. Well, I haven't actually seen brick, which is crazy, but, um, mm, mm. I think it's time. But, but anyway, the point is like, you know, if he starts announcing other movies that he's making beyond not, things he's committed to already and mm-hmm. star Wars is not part of that discussion, then I'll be nervous. But otherwise I feel pretty encouraged by all of this. So, Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we should wrap up the show here, except for I just have one more thing I want to talk about quickly, which is this book, Shadow of the Sith by Adam Christopher. Um, I finished it a week or two ago, and uh, it's a big one. It's a big book. It's 465 pages long. Um, so it is a larger, it's a big, it's a big book. But um, mm-hmm. I think this is a Star Wars book that basically anybody who reads star Wars novels at all. Like if, if you're somebody who reads one star Wars novel a year, or you're somebody who reads like a couple star Wars novels a year, or you're somebody who, I mean, obviously if you're somebody who reads them all, then you're going to want to read this. But I think this is a star Wars book that everybody should read if they read star Wars books, you know? So I'm not going to go so far as to say like, if you're a star Wars fan, you have to read this book. Like every star Wars fan has to read this book. But I think anybody who cares enough or is interested enough in, in Star Wars literature to read even like one book a year, I would say do that. You know, this is the one that people should read. Hmm. Um, I also think that people who like the rise of Skywalker should definitely, definitely read it because there's a lot of star, uh, rise of Skywalker content in there. Um, the dagger Exegol, Ochi of Bastoon, um, strand casts, uh, Ray's parents, Ray herself. There's like all this stuff uh, connected to the rise of Skywalker. But maybe more interestingly, I feel like people who don't like the rise of Skywalker should probably read this book also 
because mm. I think a lot of the stuff that people don't like about the rise of Skywalker, um, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, Oh, this book's going to change your mind about the rise of Skywalker or this book's going to fix the rise of Skywalker for you or anything like that. But I do think right. it may be an enjoyable experience for people who have a problem with some of the topics I just listed, Exegol, the dagger, raised parents, Palpatine, strand casts, et cetera. Like I think and there are a lot of people who have issues with that stuff. I think that this book, um, again, it might not change the way you feel about the movie, but I feel like this mm-hmm. book just has time to dig into a lot of that stuff. You know, you spend time with Ray's parents in this book. Like you actually know them as characters when you read this book. I feel like that mm-hmm. might be something that would be a good experience for Star Wars fans in general. Like if you like the Rise of Skywalker or you don't, I think it probably would be a good thing to, you know, or an enjoyable thing to learn more about those characters. Um, and then things that had a very like questions or concepts that I feel like the rise of Skywalker, took a very pulpy, like Zam flash boom approach to discussing, you know, uh, like, well, we don't really have to explain it. It is, it's a dagger and it points to the death star. Like that's all you need to know. You know, (laughs) like, uh, if, and I know that's frustrating to a lot of people, well, obviously this is a 465 page novel. It takes time to actually like explain some of those things. Like why does the dagger point to the death star? Why do you need a wayfinder to get to Exegol? Like how did Ochi of Bastoon end up in, you know, certain places? Like some of the big questions, Mm -hmm. you know, that people have, I feel like it at least takes time to explore some of that stuff. And so, yeah. And it's just a really good book. Like it's a really, really good star Wars book. Um, it, uh, yeah, it feels like it has big stakes. Uh, there's some great Luke Skywalker stuff in there, some great Lando Calrissian stuff in there. Um, it has like spooky Sith stuff in there. It's just really, I don't know, it's really good. So, um, that's another reason I feel like anybody who reads a Star Wars novel will enjoy this one because, you know, sometimes people, I feel like some of us are like, okay, I'll read you know, a book like, um, Captain Phasma or it's called Phasma, I guess, but a book like Phasma, which is like so far from what a normal star Wars story is, is like in a lot of ways, you know, and is kind of, it's pretty out there. Um, pretty different from your standard star Wars kind of story. Uh, but I feel like a lot of people, like when they read a star Wars novel, they want something that feels a little more like watching a star Wars movie, you know? And, uh, this book kind of hits that, that itch scratches that itch as well. So nice nice yeah so shadow of the sith uh adam christopher read read that book um is my recommendation maybe i will um i've been on yeah. a bit of like a, a star wars you know ex- expanded universe uh uh whatever it's literacy literature um yeah just a bit of a hiatus i just haven't i've been just reading other things um in my free time that's not star wars stuff um, so I don't know. I think probably when I'm like ready to kind of come back to, um, back to reading, uh, stuff, I will check that out. It sounds, uh, sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, uh, a couple of high Republic books I still need to read. And then, you know, phase two is kicking off soon. So I'm feeling that pressure, um, which I've discussed recently on the show, but I'm feeling that pressure. So, and I have, um, man, yeah, I'm behind. I have Kenobi to read. Uh, is it called Kenobi? Oh, yeah. the, anyway, the I have old that one? book to read. 
Mm-hmm. No, no, no. The, oh, no, Padawan. That's right. It's called Padawan. Oh, okay. Yep. I have Padawan to read. Um, I have. I never finished the third um, Amidala, a Padme book. And um, then there's also The Princess and the Scoundrel that came out that a lot, you know, I'm, I'm hearing things, good things about. So a lot of, a lot of reading for me to do, you know. Okay, let's wrap well, this show up, there. Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yep, I know. Yeah, let's. Yep. All right, happy Labor Day, Ryan. Um, yeah. Thanks for laboring on this podcast with me today. We're going to wrap it up here. We will be back, I think, sometime next weekend to talk about the Obi-Wan Kenobi documentary and whatever news comes out of D23. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, whatever other Star Wars topics we want to discuss. Until then, you can find everything we do at Blockade Runner Podcast dot com if you want to reach out to the show and uh, comment on any of the topics we discussed today you can email the show blockade runner podcast at gmail.com or you can uh, follow us on twitter at blockade run if you want to follow ryan on twitter ryan you're on twitter at via malay v-a-y-a-m-a-l-a-y okay so thanks so much for listening and we'll be back soon with another episode of the blockade runner podcast for all the Republic.